0: This morning we're going to pivot, we were going through 2 Corinthians, which we will jump back into after Christmas, Um, but we're gonna pivot for the season of Advent and talk about God's good gifts. And for me, I think this is important as we are looking at whatever God has for us as a church in the next season to remember that there are some gifts that God has given us that we need to celebrate and, and recognize that they are part of being in this creation. And so we're gonna spend four Sundays talking about God's good gifts. And this Sunday, we wanna talk specifically about the gift of being in a body, being in a body, the gift of being in a body. This last week was US Thanksgiving and we have family in the United States, of course. And I remembered and I thought about this as I was wrestling with this, God's good gifts, and we're going to talk about the gift of the body today, that there's one relative who shall remain completely nameless and genderless, who, if we ever gathered to eat, would complain about their weight, or complain about, oh, I'm turning into such a, you know, and whatever, and you'll have to roll me out of here and all of that, and and I even pick up some of that language and use it sometimes, but it is without fail if we're eating, and here's the ironic thing, this person loves to eat, how many of you love to eat in the room? I mean, every one of us pretty much, uh, unless we're dealing with something around that, um, and just would would eat and then complain and just, just complain about their body image and the whole thing, which really was annoying. And yet, I was not in a position necessarily to like rebuke this person publicly and tell them to shut up in the name of Jesus, that he loves their body and they're fine. Um, But this was something that, you know, I've missed that now for a couple years, is hearing this sort of family member going off about their body and, and, you know, and this and that, and as they age, this is falling apart and that is falling off and all of that, and like, oh, my goodness, come on, new story. Um, Beloved person, mind you, but, you know, do any of you have a family member like that? No? Anybody like that? Okay, you won't be honest, never mind, not in this room. (laughs) Um, There's a C.S. Lewis quote that also comes to mind as we begin talking about the gift of your body. And I'm going to read it. It's a bit of a long one, but it's from his writing, The Weight of Glory. And he says this, It may be possible for each of us to think too much about their own potential glory hereafter. It's hardly possible for him to think too often or too deeply about that of his neighbor. And this will get clear as we go along. He said, the load or the weight or burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid daily on my back, how I see my neighbor, the glory of God in my neighbor. A load so heavy that only humility can carry it and the backs of the proud will be broken. And C.S. Lewis goes on and he says this, talking about all of us, it's a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest The dullest and most uninteresting person you may talk to may one day be a creature. If you saw it now, you would be so strongly tempted to worship, or else they might be a horror and a corruption, such as if you met them now, if all, only in a nightmare. Hear this. Hang with me here. He goes on and he says, All day long we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations becoming these creatures who are full of glory that would be tempted to worship or creatures that we have dehumanized that we would see as a nightmare all day long. In some degree, we're helping one another to one of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and circumspection reserved proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics, And this is the sort of the money quote that you may hear from, have heard in the past from C.S. Lewis. He says this, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilization, these are all mortal. And their life is to ours, but that of a gnat. Nations pass away, our cultures pass away, arts and civilization. But it is with immortals whom we joke with, we work with, we marry, we snub, we exploit immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. He says, this doesn't mean we shouldn't be solemn, though. We should play. Our merriment must be that of the kind, though, that exists between people who have from the outset taken each other seriously, no flippancy, superiority, no presumption. And he talks about this next to, and he was an Anglican. So he says this next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. Your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. As we're thinking about that, I want to give a few more stories before we dig into this being in a body, what a gift it is. For me, and I've shared this before, I had childhood sickness, I had asthma, and then allergies that would trigger it in this sort of vicious cycle. And it shaped me in ways that I'm still figuring out here in my midlife. How did that sickness form me and shape me regarding my relationship with my body? As a kid, I would have those senses of disassociation, particularly in amidst asthma attacks. Also why I'm a bit fired up about do the things regarding COVID. Because if you've never had the experience of not being able to breathe, as I hear bad stage COVID can be, uh, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible experience. And as a kid, there were some times when I felt like I was outside of my body in the midst of those asthma attacks while still in my body. It's a really weird sensation. And maybe some of you who've gone through similar things know what I'm talking about. These extreme attacks, and there's different kinds of disassociation, but there definitely was times when I had sense that whatever the real me was was not this thing right here. And in some ways I've forgotten most of those memories, but here I am in middle age, and some of those memories have come back in various ways. Every one of you in this room and online has experiences that have shaped your view about yourself and your body. Sometimes it was harsh religious experience about sin and discipline and punishment in the body, or maybe it was that the family had a certain view about how your body should look or be in public spaces. In some cases, it may have been abusive situations. But there are many things that shape us and give us a negative view of the body. For me, for example, it was the sense that my body was trying to kill me. That it was trying to end my life. One more thing I want to talk about before we dig into some of the theology and the practical points here. There's a certain type of worship that invites us to move out of our head into experiencing God in our body as well. When we sing, we are engaging our mind, our lungs, our breath, our muscles, our diaphragm, we're engaging our body. When we pray, In the tradition, I became a Christian and it was often encouraged to engage your body. When we say those prayers of confession, if you want to, while we're saying confession prayers, kneel down as a sign of, wow, Lord, I'm aware of some of those things in our world that have gone wrong. And then you rise up again as a sense reminding yourself of God's grace in Jesus Christ that he doesn't come to condemn us, but to empower us to live differently as a new humanity. When you pray and engage When you listen to a sermon and you take notes versus flipping through your phone, (laughs) you're engaging at a higher level and you remember those more than just simply listening to a speech or a talk. In worship, it is okay to clap your hands. It is okay to engage your body. In fact, the more you do that, the more you will experience the Holy Spirit working through your body, not simply having a mental exercise, but both now woven together. So the main idea that we want to unpack here today, and we're going to pray and read some verses here in just a sec, is that if we're going to be a culture of life church, or to use and twist and co-op some political language, if we're holistically a full church, pro-life church, that doesn't start by talking about war. It doesn't start by talking about police force or violence. It doesn't even start with talking about birth control or the environment To be a holistically pro-life church means you begin by talking about this body, this life that you inhabit right now. In fact, I want to invite you this morning to do something physically. I want you to hold your arm out in front of you. And, uh, you know, however you're comfortable doing that. And with your other hand, just grab your arm. Take a good feel of your arm this morning, you know. Give Give it a little squeeze. And maybe you want to begin by saying, Thank you to your body, just say thank you to your body. Come on, I know it may feel weird, but that's the point, we're learning something new today. Say thank you to your body, thank you. Your body supported, got you here today, is with you, and is also you. And it is a gift from God. Say it with me this morning, if you're willing to again, my body is a gift, body is a gift. One more time. Oh, the right side was good. The left side, they don't believe it at all. <laughs> one, more <laughs> one, t- one more time together. One, two, three. My body is a gift. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We have an advent to pause and to reflect on your first and second coming and your spirit who is present through your people, making you real. And so, God, I pray today that you would do what only you can do. I can't change hearts or minds, but I know you do, and you draw. And, God, I pray that each person here, each man, woman, and child knows that their embodiedness is a gift of the Creator, and it is a good gift. First and foremost, it was a good gift. And so, Lord, we lead into that today. Stretch us. Change us and challenge us how we think about our bodies and others' bodies. In your name we pray, amen and amen. How you relate to your body matters. Your words, your actions, what we teach children and youth and adults and others about the value of the body needs to be rooted in creational goodness. That God created your body and he created it good. I like how, and I'm going to be referencing some Hillary McBride this morning. I don't agree with all of her theology and everything she says, but she has a wonderful book on talking about reclaiming this embodiedness and goodness. She says this, the body is a great unifier, a thread that weaves all humanity together. Every one of us has a body. In Genesis chapter 1, there's a verse that we quote all of the time. And it says this, I want to read this to you, Genesis chapter 1 Verses 26 and 27 says this, Then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us, so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the bird of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on earth. And then verse 27 says this, God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them, male and female, he created them. What I want you to zoom in on here is this idea of God created this infleshment, this body that you're in. Again, you want to maybe grab your arm this morning and and take a look at it as a symbol of the whole of who you are and say, God created you. God created you. Maybe look at your neighbor this morning or look around and tell them, uh, God created you. Okay, a lot of people don't believe that God created their neighbor in this house to say, you're not playing with me. You got to look at your neighbor. Come on. It's just us. Look at your neighbor and say, God created you. you. Say it with conviction. God created you. Say it with puzzlement if it's your spell. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, God created you. Yes, God created you. I'm slowly trying to, to do baby steps again with Mandarin and tones. There's tones in English too, right? You know, uh, but not they don't change the, the meaning of the total meaning of the word, but they change sort of the is it a question or a statement, right? God created you? God created you. You know, totally, totally different implication, right? John 1.4, and this is an Advent scripture, the Gospel of John, John 1.14 rather, says this. And he's talking about Jesus coming on the flesh that we remember at this Advent Christmas season. It said this, the word. Meaning, referring here dear to the capital W, Jesus, the word, the logos became flesh and made his home among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. God puts on flesh. He enters into the creation in the incarnation. And this is a powerful thing to understand that God himself takes on part of the creation. And again, by that very action, reminds us of how blessed it is that he created this and that we are in bodies. And this is a good thing that God desires and God participates in God's self in Jesus. Think about that. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Let me read two more passages this morning. And Psalm 139 verses 13 through 18, my kids had to learn this, I think, in in a school at one point. I remember them memorizing this as small children at the school that they were in, and they were in a Christian school for part of their education. And they all had to learn this, and I forget what grade it was, like grade grade one or something like that. It says, you are the one who created my inmost parts. I'm reading from the Common English Bible today. You are the the one who created my innermost parts. You knit me together while I was still in my mother's womb. I give thanks to you that I was marvelously set apart for your works are wonderful. I know that very well. My bones weren't hidden from you when I was being put together in a secret place, when I was being woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my embryo and on your scroll every day was written that was being formed for me before any of them had yet happened. God, your plans are incomprehensible to me. Their total number is countless. If I tried to count them, they'd outnumber the grains of sand. If I came to the very end, I'd still be with you. Hear this again. Verse 14, uh, the older translation would say this, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that very well. Your body is a gift. Say it with me this morning. My body is a gift. One more passage, 1 Corinthians 6.19, Paul says this, and he's talking about how we use our sex and sexuality towards others and ourselves. It's the larger context here, and we'll talk more about that next Sunday. He says, "Or Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? Don't you know that you have the Holy Spirit from God and you don't belong to yourselves? And this is interesting here. He talks about the bodies of the community together. The Lord is the body of you all. And so he's not just talking about us as individuals. I think it certainly can apply that way, but it also applies to the sense that our bodies and how we relate to one another matter and that we are an indwelling of God's spirit. Okay, now I can hear some of you already saying, but doesn't Paul use language like the flesh is evil and at battle. And doesn't John, First John talk about warring with lust and desire and all of that? Yes, yes, yes. Scripture uses that language. Uh, and I want to talk a little more about how Paul uses it. And he uses it in a much more nuanced way than condemning the physical body. In fact, he doesn't condemn the physical body at all. Quite the opposite. He's concerned when he uses the flesh. He's not talking about flesh like the physicality of the body. There's sometimes some overlap. You have to ask what's going on in a passage. But Paul talks about this fleshly principle where we're turned in on ourselves and we become totally self-focused. And there's a point at which we begin operating in that sense of flesh where it's where we're caved in on ourselves. And that's the thing that Paul is most concerned about. When Paul uses the language of spirit and flesh, and he's talking against the, the flesh, he's saying the things that come from God are opposed to things that come from sin And there are attitudes and actions that lead towards death and there are things that lead towards life, but he's actually not creating a duality between spirit good and body bad. We need to remember this too in the ancient church and in ancient pagan cultures as well. There was this thing called Gnosticism and Neoplatonism, which also taught that the body was bad and the spirit was good. And the goal is detachment from the body, which is completely opposite of what Christianity teaches In fact, it teaches that we want to be integrated and sense that these things are woven together. And in fact, the body is so important that God promises to resurrect it one day and with material and spirit woven together. That's how important and valuable the body is to God, that in the world to come, it is a physical material spirit all woven together as one. And that's how we are now as well, albeit we do experience the effects of brokenness and sin, but the Root of this is that your body was created good, and that is the deepest truth. A little more we could say, and I will visit some of that in the future, but I'm kind of setting the stage for the next three messages here. Say, what else can we learn at Christmas time about the body being good? Well, at Christmas time we learn this concept of incarnation, and maybe you want to say that word with me aloud if you're willing to. Say incarnation. Incarnation, this idea of putting on flesh. That's Latin version of this idea of God coming in Jesus. And the church has confessed that in Jesus, God enters into his creation fully in Christ and Jesus was fully human and fully divine. In fact, some of the early heresies in the church were those that wanted to deny the historicity of Jesus And Jesus is there in history. And so this is important to understand that at Christmas time, there are two main characters in the story, Jesus and Mary. And God uses Mary, and and in Mary, Jesus is born. And so the church has always honored Mary as the Theotokos, the the God-birther, the one in which God puts on flesh and uses. And Mary had a role in saying yes or no to that, and she said yes to this participation. And so this incarnation, this enfleshment of God, We honor both Mary and Jesus in this. Of course, Jesus is God. Mary is not God. And Protestants sometimes went too far correcting Roman Catholic abuses, uh, you know, in the late medieval times where we kind of threw Mary completely out. But at this Christmas season, we remember the role of Mary as well. And we should remember Mary as an example of what it means to say yes to the Lord and also as an example of someone who was a strong uh, woman leader in the early church as well. And so we honor her as well, but we remember that in in Jesus, in the Christmas story, this tells us again how much God values the creation, the material of this. So let's get to this very last part here. How do we begin to think better about our bodies To have a real culture of life, a real pro-life church. Again, it's not starting by talking about war or violence or the death penalty or birth control about the environment or whatever. It starts with talking about this thing that you are in right now. You are not simply a thinking machine with a sack of flesh. That is not, that is not a human view. That's not, excuse me, not a Christian view of what the body is. In fact, this is where we would disagree with some pop atheists that would say all we are is a thinking thing on top of a sack of flesh. In fact, we would say, no, our body itself conveys knowledge and wisdom and experience. We learn through embodiment as much as we learn about thinking. These things are woven together. They're inseparable and they are valuable. So this morning, by way of application, I want to just talk about this again. Want to get away from the problem or the heresy of ripping your body apart from your spirit and your mind. And so your body this morning is to understand that it is not an it, but it is you. We want to shift our thinking from thinking about our body as an it to a you. It is part of you. So where do we start? I think we begin to start by naming and experiencing things about our body. We begin by remembering things like McBride says, the body is good in a kind of moral sense. And I think this is important. This is worth all that you paid to get in here this morning. The body is good in a kind of moral sense. Uh, Can we go back up to that quote, maybe? I, I think that's on there. The body is good. Nope, it's not there. Okay. The body is good in a kind of moral sense. And not because of your appearance, function, or labels I use or others give it. Your body is good simply because it is your home. Think about that. Your body is good simply because it is your home. You, all that you are, has no other ultimate home. The most basic home is the body that you have. It is part of you. It is you. It is your home. And so how do we do this? How do we begin to change our attitudes about the body? How do we begin to unlearn the things that maybe we were taught growing up about our body and about its value, maybe about its shape or its weight or culture or or its value in terms of being productive or not productive? How do we begin to put that in second or third level places? How do we begin to critique that and understand that from a kingdom of God point of view, being pro-life is recognizing foundationally that your body is good morally, simply because it is your home and it is gifted by God, full stop not based on how others judge it, how you've been taught to judge it, not based on how much weight you're carrying or not carrying, not based on how tall or short, not based on cultures of origin and all that, but simply because it is God's gift to you. It is blessed and graced and created in the image and likeness of God. And every body in this room and all of creation is good and has intrinsic, ultimate, inestimable worth. We need to get that in our hearts and minds, no matter what's going on in our bodies. And yes, there's time to unpack issues about trauma and sickness and all of that. But today, the most basic thing is understanding that it is given as a gift. Full stop. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Full stop, it is a gift. Your body was given as a good gift and it is part of you. It is you. Hillary gives us a list of a few things. Because we've lived, lived a lot of lies about our bodies when I was a child, I learned a lie that had an element of truth to it. But the sense that my body was at war with me when in fact something else, the disease, the sickness was at war for sure. But the body was trying to fight as best as it knew how. So how do we begin to overcome the lies about our bodies taught maybe by our family, our relatives, you know, some of those things that were said to us early on in life have profound impact on how we think about our body. And as kingdom citizens, we have to learn to undo those things and begin to embody different truths about it. That your body is good and that you were created good in the image and likeness of God. How do we begin to unprogram those things that cut against that, that, lie, that are lies against that? Well, the most the simple one is to begin with by saying, this is my body. And maybe you've left your body unintentionally or unknowingly. In fact, some people find it really hard to begin to talk about Recognizing and talking to their body, and recognizing this is part of who they are because they've so disconnected in their minds. Begin by affirming, This is my body. This is, I am embodied, and this is what it is. In fact, this morning again, if you're willing to, please grab your arm and and look at it as as sort of an action of your whole body and say, This is my body. This is my body. Come on, do it. It'll, It'll be fun. You'll enjoy this. This is my body. This is my body. Look at that body, look at at your hand, look at your arm, look at a part of you and acknowledge this, say, this is my body. It is a blessing of the Lord and it is good. Now, yes, your body needs food and sleep and safety, care, play and movement, pleasure, boundaries, comfortable clothes, et cetera, et cetera, especially in COVID times but we need to start a new curious relationship with your body. You wanna be pro-life? Start with the tent, with this housing, with this embodiment that he has given you, and you live in. The second thing is this, your body and your mind can be friends. Say it with me, my body and my mind can be friends. My body and my mind can be friends. One way is to integrate this is to see your body and mind as friends, and you can talk to your body with kindness and care. One way to do this is to treat your body less like an object and more like a subject. In fact, I like this language uh, in McBride's book. She talks about this idea of stop referring to your body as an it, and maybe you want to refer to it as she or he or you, and tell your brain to change the way you're thinking about your body. When you're having sensations, oh, you're hungry, okay, (laughs) you know, Or, oh, you're tired. Did you get enough sleep last night? You know, it's okay to begin talking about that. Have some of that healthy self-talk about your body, not just your thoughts. Becoming more aware of your physicality and the sensations is important. Build friendship with your body under this. My body and my mind can be friends. For example, you may want to say, I'm sorry, I believed you were against me. You have never been, and I'm learning that now. As the body ages, it changes as well. I know I'm fully in midlife. I am not physically exactly the same person I was in my early 20s as I am now. And thank God I'm not in the same place where I was as a kid as I am now. But I'm sorry I believed you were against me. You had never been. I am learning that right now, learning to embrace that. Okay, three more and then we'll pray. The last three sort of things to remember, affirming this is my body, begin to think different. My body and my mind can be friends. And then your body is a resource. Your body is constantly speaking up what feels good, what makes you feel alive, when to eat, when to sleep, when to cry, what's unsafe or scary in the past, what matters, what you like or unlike. Excuse me, how are you like or unlike those next to you? These are resources. This is information. The body also is a place where we become aware of the Holy Spirit speaking through the imagination and through the body. I was so glad when I was reading through some of this, I'm just like, I was. the, the joy of how I became a Christian in the context is we actually were taught to listen to our bodies. That sometimes the Spirit may work through our feelings and emotions and, and give us sensations in the body. That Of course, we need to ask questions about that and be curious about it. But one way the Spirit speaks to you is through your body through your experience, embodied experience, that God will work in and through that as well. When we practice silence in some spiritual disciplines, those are about paying attention to your body. When we do silence and tell you put down the phone, uh, look up or close your eyes, part of that is creating awareness of your body. How might God's spirit be speaking to you through your body, through your imagination, through your very physicality? Learning to do that. When your body is communicating a hunger, a fatigue, a leg going to sleep, the pastor droning on too long, try thanking yourself, your body, for providing that information about what is needed. Thanksgiving also starts with the gift of the body. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Your body, do you not know, is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Those things need to become foundational truths in how you look at your body this Advent season. We've been taught that the body is a liability, but it is a resource. Instead of being critical of your body, be critical of the context that's telling you something is wrong with it. You are blessed. Think about the commodification of the body in our cultures, being judged by, for something based on someone else's standard. As parents, we need to unlearn these things too, how we talk to our children about their bodies, that their body is blessed, and bodies go through seasons and other things, and there's so many things going on with that. But sometimes we create trauma because we've said, oh, too fat, too thin, too this, too that. When in fact, as Christians, we should affirm our children in their embodiment. They're learning from you as parents who they are and that your body is blessed, that your body as it is, is a gift simply because it's your home, full stop. Not because it's too or not enough of this or that. It's your home. Amen? All right, last two. My body is a resistance. Oh, say this if you're willing to. My body is a resistance. My body is a resistance. You know, when you show up with your physical presence, you are making a political act. It is a political act by showing up how you enter spaces, your mere presence challenges those who get access to who you are and those who do not. By showing up in this room on a Sunday morning around the teachings of Jesus and the worship of Jesus Christ, it is a political revolutionary act by simply being present You are taking space and you are making a statement to those in this room, to those in the neighborhood, to those that saw you coming and going, you are making a statement. It is a revolutionary kingdom of God act to show up and be present with your body somewhere. One of the reasons why we're going to dial back on the live stream is that it denies this importance, this foundational importance of something happens when we gather in the conversations that happen after and during and around worship and home church and service in our community your body is a resistance. Your bodies resist problematic systems. I like this other quote here that says, This in a culture that has been oriented towards consumerism, profit, and achievement, it is a form of resistance to listen, to rest, and simply be present with others. Hallelujah. Walter Brueggemann wrote a wonderful book on the practices of worship and rest. And he says, Sabbath is resistance. This gathering is a resistance to the many dominant values of our culture. By simply being present around Jesus with others, curious or captive by Jesus, you are doing something powerful with your body by being in this space. Thank God when I became a Christian, I was discipled in that idea that when we gather in worship, word and witness and praying for one another, that there is something of the Holy Spirit that breaks the chains that bind us into these categories that have been forced on us by life. This is a place where we ultimately celebrate the worth and the goodness to each one of you, each one of us created in the image and likeness of God. You are a beloved child of the most high God. Your body is a resistance, what you do with it or do not do. We're also wrestling with the idea of offering breakfast church whenever it's appropriate COVID-wise. We'll see what happens with the new Omicron variant, but whatever. At some point, as an invitation where we worship and eat together and invite our neighbors to join us in that as well. We know there'll be a lot of challenges with that around COVID and, of course, the bigger challenge about who sets the menu because it won't be me, praise the Lord. Uh, (laughs) But that's part of the joy, right? Hillary gives us another wonderful phrase. She said, because of how much our heads are down Looking at our phones, it can be an act of resistance, even like why we do silence together, or we learn to be in prayer and spiritual disciplines. It can be an act of resistance to put down our devices and look up and around in the world, keeping our hands and eyes and minds free from constant stimulation and the ensuing anxiety or numbness that often happens. We learn, too, our embodiment means learning how do we have relationship with technology as well. There's many forms of resistance in your body, and we can think about how to use our bodies to resist injustice and oppression as well. Showing a way where all bodies can simply be present in a place and together. Last and finally, and we've already hit this one, but this will be sort of landing it. And sorry, I'm going a little long on this, but it's good stuff. You need to hear this because we're gonna get into things about sex and body that if we don't have this as a foundation can be misunderstood. My body is a sanctuary. Say that with me. My body is a sanctuary. This is one of the ancient wisdom pieces of the Jesus way of being. Early on in the church, we had these songs that were always these little ditties of Scripture. I appreciate it today. There was one as well that we were singing, and there are pieces of Scripture in it. So it's not like we don't do that anymore. But there was this one that stuck in my mind. And we'd sing this "Is Lord, prepare me. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy meaning set apart tried and true lord prepare me to be a sanctuary i want to be a sanctuary for you the wisdom that paul tells us again is this that we are again pasoma human this idea we are the, the he says the body is all of us together the language he uses there, it is, it is plural. When we gather in worship, we are bodies in joined together as a place where God chooses specifically to reside. And if you believe that the living spirit of God is within you, it changes your worldview about your body. If you believe that your body can be a conduit of blessing to yourself and to others, it changes how you see this thing, your body by being the home of your home, but also the home of God's spirit. When you say yes to Jesus, turns you into this walking sanctuary, that there is holiness in each person you're sitting next to this morning. There is part of the divine image in each person in this room, the specific particular bodies of each of us That changes how you think about your humanity. You are somebody. You are a child of the king. You are walking as a living sanctuary of the spirit of the living God, a very Jesus himself. His spirit dwells in you. This is so important to understand as we talk about other things related to our bodies and trauma and uh, behaviors and all of that. If we don't get this thing down, all the rest of that becomes idolatry, becomes fundamentalist nonsense or progressive nonsense. This is the foundation here, is that you were created good. This is a gift. Your body is a gift. That is the most pro-life culture of life thing you could possibly get in your system. That your body is a gift of the Lord. That He has given this to you. And I and I know I'm hammering the point home, but you. Need you need to understand that you need to need to get that you need to feel it sense it embody it, and think about it it means also that you need to be kinder to your body and stop judging it but judge the context that's telling you to judge it it means you need to be more nourishing choosing to listen to the cues of your body instead of ignoring them and sometimes men are really bad at this we'll cut our head off from the rest of our body and ignore the ongoing cues, or we'll reduce it only to one or two cues instead of the fullness of what it means to be in a body. The point is not ever to control someone else's body, by the way, with this temple understanding. The body was created sacred. You are already loved by God. Again, this culture of life means your body is worthy to be loved and valued by all people. We treat others better when we are learning to treat ourselves well. We honor one another as we learn to honor ourselves. It means we need to see every human as sacred in the image of God, Genesis 1:27. Every human is someone Jesus died for to reveal and undo the evil we created when we lower the value of another or get our identity out of comparing or judging one another. Jesus undoes that religiosity. So let me land this this morning, amen? All right, here we go. This is setting the stage for what we want to talk to in the next three messages here in Advent. One of the big themes of Advent is incarnation, God putting on flesh, putting on human flesh, dwelling among us, and by doing that, reminding us of the sanctity of creation and of your body and your life. And that motivates us then for other things that we're called to do and be in the world. But most fundamentally, you have to see this as a gift, that it is a gift, and it is yours, and it is precious, and it is valuable, and it has its strengths, it has its challenges. But every human created in the image of God, and this body is part of that. So finally, how do we land this this morning? I don't know if worship team wants to come up at this point, but truly this will be short. I was like, you're a liar, pastor. I'm not lying. I'm not on this one. What's the final word today? Well, again, being a culture of life, church, starts with your body, your body. Before you start talking about anything else, how is your view of your body? How are you embracing that? Starting a new relationship with your body is also one of the things we talked about today. And I want to remind you of is to embrace your being in flesh. And then we know that the body at one day it ages, there's sickness, there's disease, we die, but even then God will recreate the body one day. Think about that. And God doesn't do away with the body at the end of Revelation. He creates a context where he, does, where he takes on all of the brokenness of disease and sickness and ends that, but he doesn't end the body. That's powerful to understand in a Jesus-centered way of living life. Jesus has come to bring us life, and life after death and allegiance to Jesus means recognizing that all bodies are beloved of the Lord and worthy of God's love. And that's not just about, of course, it leads us to things like care about food and clothing and shelter. Those are bare minimums we should be advocating for, but also play and delight and friendships, not based on judging bodies of the other. And Jesus tells us that when we invite the spirit of God, we are in a temple of God. We partnership, we partner with him in this world. And so I leave you with this quote from Teresa of Avila. It says this, if you've been around for a while, you've probably heard this before, but hear it again. Christ has no body now, but yours. He has no hands, no feet on earth, but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ looks with compassion on this world. And yours are the feet with which Christ walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which Christ blesses all the world. You are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Stand with me this morning. If you're able to, in that body... That is a gift of God. Pay attention to cues. If your foot is asleep, don't stand fast. (laughs) Don't let all the blood rush out of your head and then faint on us. (laughs) But let's pray this morning. Lord, we begin this sort of unique and in some ways weird Advent series on celebrating the goodness of being in a body but it is one of the most basic lessons of the idea of Jesus coming to earth through the womb and body of Mary, the DNA of Mary being birthed as a baby in human flesh, fully human. And how does that change how we think about embodiedness? And Lord, I pray today for those that have believed lies about their body That it's to this or to that there are seasons there are things there are stuff of course but that's secondary to the first most foundational thing that this body that each one of us has is a gift yes dealing with all of the things in creation of course but first and foremost full stop it is a gift because it is their home your home each one of us has this home and so, Lord, I pray today that my brothers and sisters would begin to have those healthy conversations with themselves and their body. Thank you that you are a gift to our bodies. And thank you, O Creator, Father of us all, for creating. And God, I pray that this church would be a place where all bodies are recognized as image bearers of the divine, as those who carry the spirit of Jesus or were created to be a carrier of the spirit of Jesus if they have not yet welcomed that in, but that you are speaking to them and through to them. And Lord, I pray this Advent season, we begin to understand those good gifts that you've given and the most foundational good gift each body in this room. Thank you for them. Thank you that we get to walk together in this season of life. And that we become a church that is so culture of life that we understand it starts right here with each one of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.